Welcome to Mountain Grace, the weekly sermon from me, the Reverend John White, rector at St. Luke's Episcopal Church in Camillus, New York. This week we're looking at Paul's letter to 1 Corinthians and his meditation on the meaning of Christian love and wondering how do we love in the way that Jesus asks us. reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, beginning at verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing." If I give away all my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know only in part, and we prophesy only in part. But when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part. Then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known." And now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, and the greatest of these is love. The Word of the Lord. Please be seated. Doubtless, most of you have seen my son Patrick running around. (laughs) Little. And you will notice that often he is inseparable from his little stuffed penguin, whose name is Bear. (laughs) 
there's a whole history behind that. We're not going to go into that. But anyway, so Big Bear, who's now called Big Bear, because we, we subsequently got a small penguin whose name was Little Bear. And so we have Little Bear and Big Bear. And Patrick loves Bear. It is his spirit animal, I think. He, he always has Bear with him. And Bear used to be a lovely, sort of soft, shiny, black and white thing. And now he's sort of a... A grayish and darker grayish thing um, and he gets washed regularly but his love has worn him a bit. I should also mention that Bear came from the gift shop of the National Cathedral so he's he's sort of a holy penguin I guess. <laughs> but anyway um, when I was little I too had something like Bear except mine was a Ronald McDonald doll. <laughs> We could not have afforded anything from the gift shop at the National Cathedral, I'm sure. <laughs> and Ronald is made out of, uh, I think, the cheapest material you could probably buy in 1970. Um, it's like two steps above tissue paper. It's, he's not the sturdiest of loving things, my Ronald. And like Patrick, I carried Ronald everywhere that I went. And like Patrick, I also played with Ronald a bit roughly with my friends. And so if you look closely, you'll notice that, that over time, Ronald has lost both arms, a foot, and his head. <laughs> but they have been pierced back together. In fact, the first time I remember him losing an arm, I'm pretty sure it was this one. I think he might have lost it more than once. And I, I went to a babysitter in those days. I was like four or so. And I went to, uh, we stayed in the house of a woman named Jean. Jean and Warren, her husband was Warren, and they had an in-home daycare. And we played in the basement, they had like a big open basement. We played in the basement and we were playing with Ronald and I was swinging him around sort of like this, much less gingerly, and his body and his arms separated. And I was devastated, heartbroken. And I remember, I, you know, I don't remember a lot when I was little, but I have a strong memory of standing in front of Jean with an arm in one hand and a body in the other hand, tears streaming down my face, incapable of words, just, just holding him up. And Jane took Ronald and sewed him together, which, you know, looking back, must, she must have thought, how am I going to repair this junky toy? <laughs> but she did. She found some bits of cloth and she kind of sewed him together and, and she clearly had to do that many, many more times. And, and by hand, he's sewn together by hand. And, and she responded to my pain with love and trying to put together this thing that I, I held so dear. Now the thing is, I think for most of us, we, we often experience love in the same way that Patrick loves Bear and that I loved Ronald, which is we possess it and hold it closely and sometimes we are a little careless with it and we do damage to things. And that's not the kind of love, of course, that Jesus invites us into. We remember from the scriptures that Jesus is asked a question about, about the law and Jesus' answer from uh, from our own right one in our old prayer book is, is Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is the only God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it to love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. 
To love God with our whole self is, is the first commandment that Jesus gives us. He tells us that that is encompassing of, of so much that if we love God and God's creation with our whole selves, we're on the right path. But likewise, Jesus tells us we have to love our neighbors in the same way. And of course, Jesus is having this interaction with a lawyer. So the lawyer's like, can you define neighbor? Just <laughs> so we're clear. Is there a loophole here? And so Jesus, of course, tells the story of the Good Samaritan. And we remember that in the story of the Good Samaritan, there's a priest, there's a Levite, there's a Samaritan, and an injured person. And the person who helps the injured man is, is the Samaritan. And in those days, of course, Samaritans were bad people, you know. Good Judeans kind of looked down on Samaritans as being somehow lesser. The lesson here that Jesus was trying to say is that, that the righteous people are not necessarily um, always the ones who are most neighborly. But what mostly Jesus is trying to tell us is there are no boundaries on neighbor. Every person you have ever met, encountered, seen, every person who walks this planet, Jesus tells us, is a neighbor. And we are called to love them. Whew. That's a lot. That's a big ask. But of course, Jesus is not asking us to love them in the way that, that I love Ronald. To hold it close, to feel safe when I'm with him, to, to have all of my fears and insecurities kind of resting in him as a, as a shield against the world. That's not the kind of love Jesus invites us into. Jesus invites us into a love not where we hold on tight, but where we give away. Right? In the letter that Paul wrote that we quoted from today in our second reading, you can sit in the font, Ronald. <laughs> Paul says, love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love, Paul writes, never ends. It is the fundamental quality of our God. And my previous bishop, Bishop Mike, in a sermon I think it was, said, you know, this passage from Paul's letter to the Corinthians is, is something that we could turn into our daily prayer for ourselves. And he said, take the word love and replace it with I will. I will be patient. I will be kind. I will not be envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. I will not insist on my own way. I will not be irritable or resentful. I will not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoice in the truth. I will bear all things, believe all things. I will hope for all things. I will endure all things because the love of God never ends. The love that Jesus invites us into is not that something that we can feel all warm and fuzzy like it's Valentine's Day or, or, or newlyweds who are expecting a life of endless bliss. Because most of us know that's not how love really plays out in the world. That's not how love plays out in our closest relationships. 
And that this passage, especially when we turn it into our prayer, shows us the way that Jesus invites us to love in the world. That every person encounter, if we can embody these actions, these ways of relating, of being patient and kind, not rude, not boastful, hoping, enduring, that that's the love that Jesus invites us into. And what Jesus says is, God has a dream. And God's dream is that the goodness of the creation which God made can be restored because it's been broken somehow. We all experience the brokenness of the goodness of creation of our lives, of our relationships. God has a dream to restore that goodness. And God has a plan. And that plan begins with Jesus. And what the plan is, is that God invites each of us to live our lives as though that goodness were already restored. That the brokenness we see around us should not be a barrier to our loving reaction to the world. And what Jesus tells us is that when we live as though the goodness were already restored, it restores the goodness of creation. First in our own lives and then in our relationships, in this congregation, in this community, and across the whole world. That if, if we can invite everyone in this world to hear this fantastic, amazing dream that God has, what Jesus calls the good news, then we can begin to participate in this plan of God's to live as though the world were already redeemed. That every person we encounter, we treat in this loving way, patience and kindness, seeking their thriving. Because what Jesus tells us is that to love isn't about being warm and fuzzy or romantic or any of that. It's about seeking the best for others. It's about hoping with your deepest self that everyone you see can live into the potential with which they were created. And that all of our mission, all of our charity, all of the works we do in this world should flow from this principle, this desiring to see the thriving of the whole human community, where no one has need or want, where no one has to suffer, where no one has to feel the brokenness of the creation. Because when we work with God to implement God's dream, the goodness of the creation is restored. We build the kingdom of God. When I look back on that, that time when, when Ronald and I were inseparable, he mostly just lives on my dresser now, and I think about the way I loved him and the limitations of that love and the brokenness even that I introduced in ripping his arm off. What most strikes me is the loving response of Jean, who took this poorly made doll and patched him together again and again and again. She was patient and kind. She endured. She put up with crying kids and their broken dolls and worked to make them whole. And in some small way, that kind of act multiplied out a thousand times is the goodness and the love that Christ calls us into. 
And when we respond to the world in that way, when we act as though the goodness of creation were already restored, it becomes restored. And our small works, when we work together, get multiplied a hundred, a thousand, a million, a billion times until someday, truly, the whole world will be restored in the image of the goodness with which it was created. Amen.